Baseball fans, g'day and welcome back to Blue Sox Banter. I'm Glenn Hawke and great to be with you for episode number four. We've heard from our owner, we've heard from a head coach and today it's time to hear from some of the players who'll be lining up and no better than some of the players who'll be leading this team. Two members of our leadership group this year, Josh Geyer and Alex Howe. Firstly, Howie, welcome along. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, very excited to be on Blue Sox, Blue Sox Banter. <laughs> and Josh Geyer, welcome along to you. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Guys, firstly, Josh, in this ridiculous COVID world that we're, we're living at the moment, how, um, firstly, how's your baseball going? How's preparations for this upcoming season? Um, yeah, it's been a bit tough, um, but obviously everybody's got it a little bit tough, just trying to find ways of, you know, getting work in, um, throwing a lot of baseballs at a fence um, at the park has been kind of my MO at the moment, but um, otherwise, yeah, just doing, doing the best I can. And Howie, you've got plenty on your plate at the moment uh, between work and uh, a child on the way reasonably soon as well. Yeah, yeah. I uh, expected my first child in uh, mid-February. So very exciting times. Uh, my lovely fiancé now, Alex, uh, and I are very excited for our baby girl coming along in, in, the, in February. So 2020, can't, 2021, can't wait. How's she doing? Very good, very good. Had a bit of a tough first trimester, but she's doing very well. And, uh, you know, pregnancy looks very nice on her. Now you've um, you've already started doing the the huff and puff classes and, and the likes. Has is, I can assure you, mate, it's not going to prepare you for the real thing. But how's it going for you? I <laughs> uh, just oh, our first one got cancelled. It was meant to be on to, uh, on this coming Sunday, so it got cancelled. But we uh, are looking forward to. It. We're trying something new. It's called Hypno Birth. Nice. Uh, you've been out there, but uh, we've heard some very very great things from uh, some close friends of ours. So we can't wait. It's going to be good. Excellent. So baseball for you, mate, it's, um, I know you, you're working and have had to start a family soon and, and trying to train and you're, you're playing um, summer ball again. How's your sort of preparations for the, the upcoming season going at the moment? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, we just kind of, for me personally, I just want to kind of get going and kind of sort of get around the boys again. Uh, we, you know, very soon we'll be starting training twice a week and we'll be moving towards, you know, playing twice twice a week as well. So that's four nights already. Um, so there's going to be plenty of times that we can get reps in and, and kind of continually to build towards the ABL season, which, you know, is, is a bit of a later start this year. Uh, probably good for me uh, to give me an opportunity to make sure that we do spend that time at state league level, get those reps in, and especially with joining a new team. I suppose preparation-wise, with you, Josh, at being a pitcher, I suppose these blokes playing positional, you know, they can shag a few fly balls, take a few grounders, a couple, couple of cuts in the cage and they're good to go. But for, for guys who are taking the mound this year, the build-up and preparation needs to be a lot a lot more thorough than that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just one of those things that, you know, hitters can hit off a tee and, you know, do flips and stuff. And obviously that's pretty close. Um but nothing kind of like, you know, is similar than throwing off a mound at 100%. You know, I can only I can only throw out a wall so much before, you know, there's a drastic jump to the next level. So it's really important to kind of, you know, find different ways of, you know, being able to slowly progress that um, sort of pre-season, spring training, whatever you want to call it, um, to make sure that not only um, am I, are we healthy, 
um, but we're, you know, game ready, like ready to go. And I suppose even scrimmage games, being able to get some of those under your belt, you know, you can, you can get in the bullpen, you can get the pitch count up, but it's getting that situation, that situational pitching as well, isn't it? Yeah. Like bullpens, like will, you know, definitely help. Like they're, a, you know, massive thing that kind of help you prepare. Um, but nothing kind of can prepare you to that, like adrenaline game day situation where, you know, you, you know, say six innings in, you've got a runner on, you know, you're trying to empty the tank, um, but stay composed at the same time. So, yeah, the more reps you get in a game sort of situation at, you know, a competitive level, the better. And I suppose, Alex, exactly the same for you. There's been plenty of hitters who've been brilliant in the batting cage, but it's getting in that, those tough situations when the pressure's on that um, it, it's hard to replicate that in any sort of training situation. Oh, 100%. And exactly what Josh was saying, it's the position for, for us position players. It's, the, you know, it's, we, it's so hard kind of going from, you know, your local league to state league then to the ABL level. Uh, that ABL level is, you know, quite a, a few notches higher, um, you know, with the quality pitching that each team has. Uh, you know, we constantly, you know, constantly face guys throwing 90s to mid-90s. Uh, then with fantastic, you know, with really commanding off-speed pitches, um, you know, that takes time to get used to. So even in regards to, like, when we play scrimmages coming up, you know, for having those live at-bats against, you know, our pitches, our pitches, you know, will kind of put us in good stead moving forward to make sure that our position players are ready to go to start of the season. I wanted to ask you both of that, just in regard to that step up from state league, um, to the ABL. I know that the, the Sydney Major League competition is, is a quality competition, but I suppose it is that consistency, Alex, with, you know, you might get a guy throwing low to mid 80s, you know, regularly, <clears> and <throat> the odd guy might start popping one around 90 mile an hour, but all of a sudden that 90 mile an hour is coming in consistently. Yeah, absolutely. And there's some, you know, the state league games that have been played so far this year have been to a pretty high standard, have been to a really quality standard. Uh, which is a credit to all the teams, you know, making sure they put their preseason in this season. However, you know, consistently having those top tier quality arms rolling that you'll face day in day out, you know, it kind of push, pushes us to a next level as well, um, and that's kind of what we're looking forward to moving into the season. And I suppose for you, Josh, when you're on the mound in, in the ABL, there's not too many holes in batting lineups when you, that you come up and face. No, that's exactly right. So, um, you know, when you're looking at it at state league wise, um, you know, we've out of the four games we played this year, we've had three blowouts. Um, you know, games we won by more than ten. So, um, you know, it's kind of difficult. You know, some teams have, like you said, that one through nine that you know there are no holes. And obviously, when you go to the ABL, there's that's a step up again. Um, so yeah, like state league, you know, is, is great in preparing you, but, um, yeah, nothing like the ABL, um, you know, you can't let go. Um, even some of the best pitchers I've seen have, you know, struggled against seven, eight, nine hitters. So, um, yeah, it's really good. Um, definitely gotta, gotta be switched on. Alex, for you, you've been a part of the, um, the Blue Sox roster for, for a couple of years now, but last year was a real breakout year for you. What did you put that down to? Um, obviously maybe a little bit of maturity as well, but I think I made some mechanical changes offensively 
at the start of the season um, with the assistance of a, you know, a few key friends and sort of the coaching staff at the Blue Sox. And it was really, you know, paid dividends, honestly. You know, <laughs> looking back now, I wish I did it five years earlier. Mm. <laughs> but, they, um, but those mechanical changes definitely allowed me to make adjustments, you know, from at-bat to at-bat, you know, kept consistent, got good pitches to hit and was able to put a, you know, a pretty good swing on it. And, you know, hopefully, you know, with harder work and having the same mindset, you know, I can roll that into this season. And I suppose that the difference between a, a low 200 hitter to what ended up being, what, a 320 hitter last year? Yeah. Um, like I said, a couple of things go your way. You get lucky at times, but, you know, you make your own luck a little bit when you can put consistent at-bats together, things do fall your way. Who in the uh, the Blue Sox coaching roster did you really lean on for that uh, that assistance? Because you've got some good ones amongst them. Yeah, absolutely. So Brendan Kingman uh, worked closely with BK for the last couple of seasons ever since he's been around. And I think it kind of took us a while to kind of connect a little bit. But I think definitely last year we, you know, you know, I kind of as a player kind of started understanding the way he was coaching and couple tech, couple of things that he was saying about, you know, my mechanics, you know, that really clicked last year. And, you know, even now moving on to the couple of sessions that we already have, sorry, that we have already had, it's really kind of, you know, we've already, we're not starting again. We're, you know, we're building, continuing to build. I suppose how's the, the, the gap that you've had, you know, obviously we've, we've all had downtime that we haven't wanted. How do you take that form or how do you take that work into a, a brand new season with such a big gap? Hard work, honestly. Yeah. It's constant. Like at the start of the season, uh, last at the beginning of last season, you know, I was hitting on my own for probably three days a week. Uh, that was on top of having training twice twice a week as well as also playing. So pretty much goes six days a week leading into the ABL, where you know constantly working on on your craft. If that's swinging, you know, running, going to the gym, obviously. Um, but, you know, getting those reps in to make sure that when that big situation comes, that you're ready to go and that you're confident in what you can do. I suppose it takes that thinking away from it as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it just becomes muscle memory. And that's when, you know, something as an athlete, we kind of, you know, the best athletes in the world, you know, obviously can stay focused, but can also flush out everything else and make sure that, you know, they let their body take over and just become an athlete. And that's what... You know that's why they're the best in the world, Josh. For you, you've um, you've been a starter, you've been a you've been a um a reliever throughout your career, but really held down that position last year for that number four starting position. Uh, any indication as to your role, what that will be this year at this stage? Um, yeah, I don't really know. I uh, from brief talks with Shane, seems like I'm probably going to um, start again. Where he pegs me in um, that rotation um, I'm not sure um, obviously we've got the two Wells brothers this year which are a major asset to the ball club um, bringing you know their their talent but also their experience um, from you know playing many years overseas um, so it's just a matter of where I slot in um, we've had discussions I've said to him um, look if you pick up another another starter and you want to use him I'm more than happy to go bolster the bullpen but um, he knows I'll, whatever whatever he wants me to do, I'm, I'm more than happy to do if it's for the best of the team. That number four starting role this year, you know, any starting role is important, but with a compressed season this year, 
that number four game of a series, you know, sometimes when you, you, you're three and oh in a series, you take that out. The number four game, you know, there's no easy ones. I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm trying to say this year. So if it is that number four starting slot, it's going to be a really important game. Yeah. Um, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of liked the, the fourth day, um, you know, typically the Sunday. Um, I know some guys can uh, find it a little bit more difficult to, I guess, amp up for a, you know, a, a more, you know, two o'clock sort of game. Yep. Um, and that's just kind of something that I've like been determined to kind of thrive in, you know, make sure that I bring good energy and, you know, I'm ready to go from the first pitch because those early, you know, Sunday games, you can be the fifth inning if you, you know, if you're not ready to go straight away. So, you know, I try and take advantage of that. And, um, you know, the Sunday game's a really good one to kind of go, or you might be, you know, down 2-1 in the series and all of a sudden you split, you know, on a on a road day. So, you know, that would be uh, super, you know, super pivotal to kind of getting us to where we need to get to. Yeah, and, and as I said, with the, the compressed season, there's no, there's no easy games. There's no, there's no kind of, there's no chance to take it easy. Every game and every win is important this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've always kind of said, you know, we want to win at home and at minimum split on the road. But um, you know, the I think the biggest thing for us is like we never want to lose on a road day you know, a day where we travel. So, you know, every win that we pick up is obviously beneficial, um, but there's nothing like, you know, say flying home from Brisbane, um, you know, winning on that last day when you get to go home, even if you, you know, lose the series 3-1, you know, there's that morale that you go, oh, no, we, you know, we're, you know, we played well that day and, you know, we've got momentum to build on from that. Yeah. Alex, have you had a chance to cast your eye over, uh, in particular, the new imports who are coming into the side this year? Yeah, yeah. So obviously been speaking with Adam quite a bit and obviously Shane um, and the coaching staff and, you know, really looking forward to the calibre of imports that we've got this season. You know, that signing that deal with New York Mets is something that, you know, I think will hold us in good stead to the years to come, you know, and also this year, I believe, you know, the catcher, uh, the young catcher that we've got from the Mets is, is meant to be quite something special. Um, and obviously, you know, we've been bolstered with some experienced experienced guys from the Tigers, then that will be something special as well. So really looking forward to the boys joining in and, and you know, building together for this year. Yeah, Francisco Alvarez, the, he signed a $2.7 million contract at the age of 17 or 18 years of age. That's... um. That's a fair prospect. 100%. So, you know, that's uh, that's something special, obviously, when a team or an organisation is willing to invest that kind of money into a 17-year-old. There's, there's definitely something special there. So, fingers crossed. Uh, I believe that I'm positive that he'll come out ready to work and continue to improve. Um, and I think we're going to reap the benefits of it this season. Josh, you've spent some time in, in Pro Bowl in America, uh, aligning ourselves with the with a, a, a big league organisation with the New York Mets this year and the plays that they'll bring out, I suppose they're on a different journey than sort of independent ball players or, or others uh, who, are, who have come out to Australia in the past. What do you see the difference is or will be in these guys who have come out from the, the Mets organisation? 
Yeah, I guess um, every baseball player has, you know, particular aspirations. Um, and, you know, for most of the Aussies, um, you know, who aren't under a, I guess an American professional contract, um, you know, that's to win in, you know, an ABL championship. However, these guys from the Mets are, you know, they're grinding to try and get to the big leagues. And that's, you know, that's where how, like how, how he said, you know, we're hopefully going to reap the benefits of that because, you know, they're putting in work, they're trying to get better because they know that they're not where they want to be yet. Not saying that they don't want to be in Australia, but, their goal is to get to the big leagues and, you know, they can't afford to um, have a poor year in Australia because it doesn't look good going into spring training. You know, they want to be playing well, um, you know, building up. So then all of a sudden when they hit spring training, you know, they're in full season form and that could be the difference between say a guy starting in double A and a guy, you know, making the roster out of spring training. So you know, those sort of things, those little things are things that people might not necessarily think about, but like are really important in, you know, potential differences between independent and professional players. As I said, you've been around that, um, that pro ball in America. How tough is that competition for, for spots on rosters as you're starting to work your way through from, from a ball through to, through to the big leagues? Yeah, it's pretty cutthroat. Um, it's just one of those things that, um, like I said, spring training is huge. You know, you're trying to make a team straight away. And then um, if you don't make, you know, the team that you want to make, um, you're essentially, you know, waiting for a position to open up. And that's either somebody moving up, you know, to another level and now you get to take their spot or it could be an injury. Um, it could be the rosters expand for playoffs. But if you're waiting for the roster to expand over playoffs, you essentially waiting to the end of the year to kind of, you know, move up. So um, it's pretty tough. Everyone's, everyone's fighting for a position because they all, they all want that end goal of being at the big leagues. And it doesn't matter, um, you know, what level you start at, you've got to get there. And, you know, if that means you've got to go every level year by year, then, you know, so be it. And I suppose a tough prospect that every minor league baseballer is facing coming into 2021, is it still plenty of talk about, minor league baseball shrinking over in America. So there, there will be less teams, many less spots in rosters, many less opportunities, but still the same number of players who are after those opportunities. So it, that cutthroat nature of the game is going to be even more so. Yeah, it's, it's really only going to get, you know, more and more difficult. Um, you know, guys are and are never going to let go of that, you know, that professional contract because the goal is, is there. Um, but obviously, you know, it now gives you less opportunity to slip up, you know, your, your slumps can't afford to be as long because um, as soon as they, you know, think you've peak or, you know, you're underperforming, there's always going to be somebody chasing your tail and um, you've always got to try and just stay one step ahead and keep improving and stay consistent. Howie, we look at the history of the Sydney Blue Sox over the last 10 years. It's been a case of almost over so many times, I think six times that uh, the Sydney Blue Sox have fallen short of making it into that championship series. Does that record help drive and motivate the players? I think so. Um, you know, it definitely... You know, all the boys, we talk each year about, you know, this year being the one. Um, you know, I think at times we kind of get focused 
too heavily on that end goal, um, you know, where, you know, Shane was last season, even though we didn't get the results as what, what we had planned for. But we kind of had that thought process of, you know, we play the next pitch, we play this game, you know, we build, we build for the next win, um, you know, we build for the next series. And if we continually work process and step by step, then the end result will be there and will take care of itself. You know, we, as athletes, we talk about the process being so important. You know, Josh and I have spoken about that tonight in regards about being prepared for the season. You know, that's a process. If we, as a, as a unit, as a team and an organisation, build and think that this season's a process, um, then, you know, we get the process done. We put ourselves in a fantastic opportunity to, you know, pick up that shield and, you know, get the dream that a lot of us have been chasing for for a number of years now. I said at the start that you two guys have been um, named as part of the, the leadership group this year, two of the three guys. Uh, firstly, congratulations. It, it's a great honour. Now, I'm not going to ask you each while you both were selected because I think um, it's easy to talk about somewhere else. So, Alex, tell me, why do you think uh, or, or what is Josh going to bring to the table as, uh, as one of the leaders of the ball club? <laughs> okay, good question. Now, um, the fact that Josh, Josh is a fantastic teammate. He is a starter, uh, but he's also on the other three games that, you know, he's not pitching. He's the loudest in the dugout. He's a great mm-hmm. guy that you as a teammate, as a friend, as an individual can go lean on and, you know, ask questions, um, you know, go see him as a friend, go see him as a teammate, go see him as a competitor. Um, and he'll tell you the truth. And I think that's, is something that will be, you know, so uh, influential this season, you know, for the young ones to lean on, even myself, you know, if there's a question that or, you know, a direction that I'm not sure of, the fact that I can go lean on Josh and go ask Josh a question and I know that he's going to have my back 100%, you know, that means that that speaks for itself right there. And I think every guy on that team, you know, that have played for the Blue Sox year in, year out, will say the exact same thing about Josh. Well, there you go, Josh. He's um, a nice wrap for you. Now's your chance to return serve here. What uh, what does Alex bring to the table as a as a leader of this ball club? Honestly, I've got no idea what. <laughs> Other than cake, Josh. Other than cake. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I've got no idea what he's thinking about Eunice. Nah. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness. Um, with Howie as like, you know, being selected for the person that he is. Um, Howie has, as one of the Australians, has probably one of the best work ethics I've personally seen as a player, as a part of the team. Um, He's very meticulous. Um, So from that, um, he said it's a really good, um, what's the word? I'm having a blank. I suppose like, he sets the standards, right? Yeah, he really sets the standard and going like, this is, you know, he's not outspoken in saying, oh, we've all got to do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. He just sets the standard by being himself, going yeah. out, putting in the hard work and, you know, you know, reaps the rewards for it as we saw last year. So, you know, players, you know, look up to someone like him, respect him for, you know, the diligence and the effort and um, how he works that way. Um, he's, a, he's the ultimate professional when it comes like that. You know, we've all had our struggles. Um, but like he said, he's, you know, matured a lot over the last couple of years and, you know, been able to be that kind of, you know, if he didn't know he's a teacher, 
Um, so he's, he's good at handling issues. Um, <laughs> he's very mature in that sense that, you know, um, if anybody's like kind of struggling, like he, he, he's really good at working with strategies to kind of go, all right, well, what's the issue? How can we solve it? Um, so all of those kind of attribute, attributes mixed together just kind of makes the ultimate professional and um, makes him a real big asset for us. And the other member of this leadership group, uh, Jacob Eunice, who's was supposed to join us in the podcast tonight, but he's he's allegedly at work or he's doing something. We're about to cut him from this uh, leadership group. <laughs> but tell us what um, you can both sort of jump in and let me let me know here. What is it that um, that someone like Jacob Eunice? I know he's been around the um, the ball club. He was a sixteen year old, and he was actually talking to him about this uh, during the week that he. I worked as the, the ground announcer on the very first Blue Sox game and he came in as a pinch runner in the eighth or something as this very enthusiastic and energetic 16-year-old kid. And um, so he's been around the ball club for a long time. What, um, what does he bring to this team? Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think Jacob is probably one of the most well-liked individuals in baseball. Um, He's just a fantastic human. I've actually never, never really heard him say anything bad about another person. Um, so, you know, having someone that like that in your club, plus he's super talented, he, you know, he's a leader. He's been on the field. He's probably been one of our best performers probably for the last four or five seasons um, to be such a cool, calm, collected guy in the clubhouse. Um, I think Jacob really links, you know, the attributes of Josh and myself. Um, and, you know, for a guy that, you know, will be seen by others and relates really well, you know, he was the first guy when we had our uh, Zoom chat with Manny Ramirez for the first time. Uh, he's already aligned himself up with one of Manny Ramirez bats. So only Jacob Eunice can do that. Um, and so just, it's just a testament to, you know, the individual he is. Um, and I think, you know, it, it wouldn't be right if he wasn't in this, so in this leadership group. Um, but in saying that too, there could have been 15 other core guys that we've got a really cool, cool group of, of players in our team that, you know, could have been there as well. So, but in, in regards to Uni, he's, uh, he's, it's well-deserved. Josh, have you spoken as a group and also with the coaching staff and I suppose particularly Shane as the, um, as the manager about the role this leadership group is going to play this year? Um, we've spoken about it a little bit, um, <clears throat> we kind of discussed that we'd get into it a little bit more the more we got together. Um, but it was kind of, for the most part, we're using it as a little bit of an avenue um, where, you know, obviously if there are any issues, um, hopefully we can kind of like nip them in the bud um, straight away. Um, but otherwise, um, from memory, yeah, we're just going to play it by ear a little bit at the moment. Just, you know, look after everyone, make sure everything's running smoothly. If there are any questions, you know, answer them or whatnot. Um, just kind of look out for each other and um, kind of be those, I guess, the pillars that, you know, the team can kind of lean on so that, you know, the coaching staff can focus on putting together a team and a strategy to help win ball games. Um, and, you know, come to us if, you know, have that kind of, you know, oh, we get the consensus of the team and go, oh, you know, we're having issues with this and, you know, we can funnel that to the right person and, and address it quickly. I think That's- mainly it's just a bit of a bridge between the playing group and the coaching staff. And I think, you know, if as 
the three of us, um, if we remain focused that, you know, we serve the team, we serve the organisation, you know, then, you know, by the end of the season, you know, we all look back and say that the 22 people playing each day or the 30 guys in the roster are all leaders. You know, that's something that's, you know, that will hold us in good step, like we've said. So I think our main role is going to be the bridge between the two. Um, but that's, yeah, I think that's where we're at. Yeah, perfect way to sum it up there. I've spoken to Shane and Adam both about the ball club that they're, they're putting together. And, and I've known Shane for a long time and, and to hear him speak about what's being assembled at the moment and how it's all starting to come together. And it's all very easy when a pitch hasn't been thrown and a bat hasn't been swung yet. But what they both said that they're really impressed and the term that they both used was, we've got a really good group of human beings here. And I think that's, it's important to have a couple of good human beings who are leading this to sort of set those standards. I, I suppose in terms of this leadership group, that's what you two guys are going to be doing, setting standards by as much your actions as anything else that you do? I think so. I think 100%. Um, you know, if we, you know, we hold ourselves to a pretty high standard um, and then, you know, give an opportunity for the guys to follow or just to see how it's done or how we do it as an organisation, um, you know, we can continue to build this culture. I think we've got a group of individuals that like hanging around each other like being at the ballpark with one another, you know, like going, you know, being at training and working hard. Um, like the couple of sessions that we've had already, you know, the boys have been in fantastic morale. You know, the guys are excited to see each other. Um, you know, it's been it's been a really good start um, and now we just want to keep it going and, and kind of get the season underway. You mentioned the uh, the name Manny Ramirez. It is his... Um... This is an incredible coup for Australian sport, let alone Australian baseball. And and I think um, there's a, a lot of sports fans in Australia who probably don't know who Manny Ramirez is. And when he comes to town, I think they're going to find out. Um, to you, Josh, tell us about when uh, your first thoughts or impressions when you heard that you're going to be lining up in the same uniform as Manny, Manny Ramirez this year. Um, it's pretty incredible. Um, I kind of had to pinch myself a little bit and I then messaged Adam and had to go like, is this real? Um, he goes, yeah, yeah, dead set. And I, you know, we kind of laughed about it. He goes, oh, you can put on your resume that Manny Ramirez of D8 had just DH'd for you. And I said, I kind of said to him, he goes, stuff that trade me, mate. I want to face him. Um, <laughs> I, need to put that, I need to put that in there somewhere. I need to face him before he leaves. Yeah. Uh, but it's pretty incredible. We um we had a bit of a chat to him. Um, I actually found out he made his big league debut. Um, I'm pretty sure the year I was born. Um, I'm so sure he he'll be of... del- yeah, he'll be delighted <laughs> to hear that when he turns up for sure. Oh no, I already, I already told him. I um had a bit of a Zoom call um and he was a part of it and yeah, I worked it out and um you know we all laughed about it. Pretty funny. Um, but to that, that just kind of shows he's got such a wealth of baseball knowledge and experience. And um, even from the brief chat with him, um, you could just already feel that 
Um, he was going to fit in well. Um, he's a great bloke. But, um, you know, even the kids that are going to be hanging around him can hopefully suck in some information. And, you know, hopefully we can all learn a benefit from him being around as well as him perform on the field as well. So can't wait. Really can't wait. Were there any young rookies who sort of 18, 19 in the, in the ball club asking who Manny Ramirez was? I don't know. Um, I hope not. I, I really hope not. I can I can only imagine that they they know who he is. They might not they might not know his full career um, like some of the rest of us. But again, I say that as if I knew his full career. Again, he made his debut when I was born. So I don't know. <laughs> Alex, that Zoom call that you guys had with him, tell us the moment for you where you're sitting, probably where you are right now. You're looking at the screen. And the name Manny Ramirez and the face pops up on the screen and you're about <laughs> to have a chat to him. It was, uh, it was so surreal. I, um, I, I was a bit of a fangirl, not going to lie. I did take some <laughs> screenshots. I took some photos under the camera and just kind of sent them out to a couple of people. But it was just like it's, so, it's just next level, to be honest. It's, you know, we... I remember, you know, kind of in school holidays when we were back in high school, getting an opportunity to watch um, the Red Sox play on ESPN. Um, you know, I'm a diehard Yankees fan. And, you know, I remember I remember that World Series where, you know, they came back and it was something special. And, you know, this was, this was, like, this is Manny Ramirez. Um, but he was on that Zoom chat, you know, I was really nervous to, kind of speak and, you know, not sure what to say and things like that. But, you know, five minutes on, we were just chatting just like we are now. And it was, you know, it was a really good chat. Just like Josh said, he's a he's a great bloke. And I think, you know, he's going to really enjoy being part of our organisation as much as we are going to enjoy, you know, having him. So it's going to be really exciting for this coming season. Sorry, I think to add to that, um, he even said halfway through the conversation, he's like, you guys are treating me as if I'm some sort of superstar. Like, I'm just an ordinary person. And, and we kind of jokingly were like, oh, you know, okay. Like, you know, he's a, he's a teammate now. We just treat him as a teammate. And then after he left, we all laughed because we were like, he is a superstar. <laughs> He wants he wants to be treated as an equal, and I think that's what made it you know more inviting and and that much better to kind of go. This guy could be giving us big league treatment like no tomorrow, but already he's he's like you know what like I'm just I'm just another baseball player on this team, and we're all in this together. And he must, and I'm sure this came through in the chat as well, but. He's been around a long time. He's done so much in the game. Uh, but to still have that want and desire to play and compete every day says a hell of a lot for the, for the guy he is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of quizzed him on that a little bit. Um, you know, it was like, you know, in a polite way. It was kind of like, you know, hadn't played for a little bit. Um, what kind of made you want to get back into it? And he's like, you know, I was being around my kid, you know, we've been taking batting practice. I was hitting tanks. He goes, I never stopped loving the game, but um, he was just like, you know, I, you know, I want to play. I like, I want to keep playing. I want to play as long as possible. And, you know, he started putting work in, putting work in and, 
um, that's, you know, after that, he kind of got onto Adam and was like, look, I'm looking to play. And, you know, it wasn't like he hadn't played in 15 years and was trying to roll out of bed. Like, this guy's putting work. Um, he looks like he's in incredible shape too. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's unreal. You've, um, Alex, you've lent on a couple of the, uh, the Blue Sox coaches for a bit of batting tuition. Do you reckon you'll uh, side up to, to Manny Ramirez to get him to check your swing out? Oh, absolutely. I think it would be silly if every hitter on that team doesn't kind of just have a conversation, um, you know, have a breakdown, kind of ask where his mindset is, ask, you know, you know, what are the couple keys that he's feeling? You know, what, you know, what sets him apart? You know, he's, he's reached the highest of highs in this game. And I think if you as an individual, you know, even as a pitcher or as a positional player, if you don't ask, Many Ramirez in, in a formal or an informal way, I think that would be a detriment on you. So mm. I can't, I can't wait to be be around and take early swings and and be up at uh you know Blacktown International Sports Park and just sweating away in the cages and having Many Ramirez feed me flips. <laughs> <laughs> it is going to be it, look, it's going to be super <laughs> exciting uh, to see to see Manny here, and it's still you know. For me and plenty of other baseball fans, it's just, as you say, still a bit surreal. And, and it, I think we're all going to have that moment when he turns up at the ballpark and we'll go, he's actually here. And I think that's yeah. that's going to be the moment. Let's just go back a, a little bit to the, the rest of the roster this year and, and talk on the on the local front. There's been some um, a few local signings, blokes coming back to the, uh, the ball club this year. Um, to you, Josh, particularly out of the bullpen, who are you really looking forward to seeing uh, back in the Blue Sox uniform this year locally? Um, we've got a few guys. Um, it's going to be interesting. The bullpen is going to be really interesting this year. Um, we get like a fully prepared Oxpring this year, which I think is un- highly undervalued. Mm. Um, you know, he kind of, he went over to Premier 12 Um you know, through a few innings to kind of feel like a bit of a game and, you know, same sort of thing. Like, you know, he'd been playing, but, um, you know, came into the side, like into the Blue Sox season, and, you know, to his fairness, did really well, but with a probably <laughs> preparation. Um, so it'll be really interesting to kind of see how much better he can be for the club with, you know, proper preparation, ready to go, good innings, you know, working out, being healthy and stuff like that. Um, Obviously, the Mets play is going to be pivotal to um, how we perform this year as well. You know, just high-level quality arms, know how to pitch, good stuff. Um, But then some other guys who um, potentially haven't signed yet that we still have in our back pockets, you know, you you're looking at guys like um, Connor McDonald, who's you know come back from injury but has an electric arm. Um, you've even got guys like Zach Shepard, who you know are still sitting there, like you know probably from talks to Adam, like you know could be close to signing all that sort of stuff. So you know we've got we've got some really good stuff coming. And for you, Alex, who are you looking forward to seeing? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of young signings, some you know young. Uh, prospects coming through so you know in the outfield we've got Solomon McGuire um, I think it's going to be I don't think I've ever seen Solomon play too many games so I you know having him a part of the club and um, you know kind of seeing you know his transition from 
you know, a young, a young 18-year-old to an adult who can play against men and play at a really high level. Uh, I think that's going to be exciting to see. And we're also going to have, you know, Jalen Ray again. You know, I believe this is his third season with us. Um, you know, incredibly young, incredibly talented once again. And, um, you know, just to have those kind of guys around the club, it's really, you know, it's really good to see that we've got a really young group of, of athletes coming through that, you know, are going to lead this organisation in the coming years. One thing I think the Blue Sox will have this year, particularly for positional players and hitters, there's going to be plenty of depth and there's going to be a lot of competition for those for those spots in the infield and outfield this year, which can only be a good thing for the club. Oh, 100%. Um, you know, if we, if we don't build a, an organisation or a team that, you know, thrives on competition and thrives in depth, um, you know, we're not going to give ourselves any opportunity to be in the playoffs and, you know, lift the shield at the end of the year. You know, uh, depth, stri- you know, depth creates competition and, you know, I think that's going to bring out the best. I know it brings out the best in me. Um, and I definitely know it brings out the best in a lot of guys in our team. So really looking forward to, you know, like getting started with all the guys getting in the country. Um, you know, it's going to be a different story or difficult um, with everything going on with COVID. But, you know, we're extremely confident that we can, get, we can pull this off. Josh, I suppose it's a little bit hard to tell with um, clubs still assembling rosters with a little bit of uncertainty of, of how they're going to line up. But have you had a chance to, to cast your eye over what the league's looking like? And if so, who's, who's the real threats? Who's the team to, to really beat this year for the Sydney Blue Sox? Um, yeah, really good question. Um, it's been obviously a bit difficult with like this, you know, hectic lead up and stuff like that. And, um, but um, from what I've kind of seen, um, Brisbane will be Brisbane. So they're going to be competitive no matter what. Um, they also have a really good crop. They always have a really good crop of Australian guys. So um any sort of imports that they add that are high quality will benefit them. Um, Auckland's made some pretty impressive signings. Um, so that will definitely be interesting as well. Um, and uh, Adelaide for me, I think Adelaide is a big sleeper team that a lot of people um, probably don't think about. Yeah, they made it to the um, you know championships last year, but they've added more. Um, mm keep adding guys, high quality, good like experience. And, you know, that'll just bolster their younger team. Um, I think, I think they're going to be a real big threat this year. And Alex, yeah. no doubt, no doubt looking forward to the, uh, the battle continuing with the Canberra Cavalry. Oh, 100%. You know, it's always a close rivalry. Um, you know, when we're playing Canberra, you know, they're a quality organization, quality team. Uh, they have kind of seemed to have had our number the last couple of seasons, but uh, in saying that too, we'll, you know, we'll prepare, we'll plan, we'll, we'll execute the best we can. And, um, you know, like I said, uh, with the staff or with the players we're putting together this year and the talent that we have, you know, I don't think, you know, I think other teams will be fearing us just as much as, you know, we kind of worry about them as well. It's getting pretty exciting. We're nearly there. We are. Absolutely. Can't wait. Guys, you've both been uh, very generous with your time and I thank you so much for your time. But before we go, I like to wrap this podcast up with the, the question I'm going to ask both of you guys. And I asked Shane and Adam in the first two episodes. Uh, we're all baseball people and, and it's given us so much 
joy and uh, so many great moments in our lives. But for each of you, and I'll, I will start with you, Alex, what is what is the greatest moment in baseball for you? Now, you could have been a fan in the stands. You could have been a player. You could have been a coach. What is your greatest baseball moment? So I've been thinking uh, about this one for a little bit, and I always come back to a uh, walk-off home run in the ABL. Um, we're at Blacktown International Sports Park, and I'm, I'm definitely not known for my home runs um, by any means. And I think, you know, the whole situation kind of writes itself where, you know, the, the team, the Brisbane Bandits, chose not to bring their closer, closer in to start, that, to start that inning because, the you know, the nine-hole hitter was up and that was me. And, that was me. and um, you know, and I can remember the, the pitcher. He was on the mound recently. He was a quality, very crafty pitcher. And, um, you know, when he was pitching with Brisbane, um, you know, I was, I was down 0-2. Um, he became a slider inside and uh, very lucky. Every time I hit a home run, I always, first thing I say is always. You were down 0-2 when you hit that. I was down 0-2. Down 0-2 and got a slider on, on the inside part of the plate. Uh, it wasn't there wasn't being live streamed, but there are clips of it on YouTube, on uh, Instagram. And I have watched them a few times. But that was a, that was a surreal moment. Um, kind of, I've had to fight for everything in my baseball career and, to get an opportunity to influence a game like that in that moment uh, was something special and I was able to keep the ball and I gave it to my father. Brilliant. I was going to say, mate, I don't know if you'd uh, watch that over and over again because I can't quite remember what I had for lunch yesterday, but you can tell me it was an O2 <laughs> pitch and a slider on the inside. There's a few things in this life, that, in this world that you are, don't forget, and in, a, in an athlete's career, that's, that's one moment that hasn't been topped yet. Um, you know, there were only a few things that potentially would top that and, um, you know, and fingers crossed, you know, it gets topped because that would be pretty amazing. Josh, for you, you've, um, you've achieved a lot in your career. You've represented Australia, you've played pro ball, you've played National League Baseball. We're very interested to find out what is your greatest moment in baseball. I've, again, like how I've been thinking about this a lot and I can't, there's two moments in my baseball career that I can't split um, for two kind of different reasons. Um, one was being named on the um, men's national team and getting to pitch at Premier 12. Um, you know, I've, in my entire life, I've never pitched in, you know, in front of a, like in an, a stadium that big, um, at an atmosphere that big um, with so much on the line. Um, and I like to think that I kind of held my weight against some of the, you know, best players in the world. Um, the other moment for me um, was pitching in an under-23 World Cup um, where we ended up placing second uh, to Japan. Um, but that was incredible. Um, I think that was the beginning of, like, really me stepping up as, you know, the the player that I am now, I kind of like unlocked another level um, during that tournament. Um, there was one game in particular um, we came in, I'll try and do a Howie moment, I'll recall everything. Um, <laughs> there was a game against Korea, we upset Korea. Um, I came in in the, I think it was the eighth, got an out through the ninth, 
uh, we went into extras and they had the international rule. Um, we ended up, we ended up turning a triple play that game as well. And that, yeah, to close out that game essentially put us in medal contention. Um, and we ended up winning second place and oh, I got goosebumps thinking about it now. So yeah, no, that, that's, those two are definitely right at the top for me. I can't split them. We are very fortunate to be part of a game that gives you so much. Absolutely. It's, um, I never, I never would have thought that, you know, first of all, I would have played baseball. I didn't, I didn't have any family members or anything who played it. So when my mum said, you're not playing cricket because it's too long and I don't want to watch it all day, um, you can play baseball, which is an hour and 15 minutes on a Saturday morning. I was like, sure. But um, yeah, it's taken me, taken me all over the place. Um, it's taught me many lessons. Um, yeah, I don't think you'll find another game like it. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I think what that's makes baseball the best game in the world is that you can have a high school teacher like myself, uh, a uni student becoming a physio, a physiotherapist in Josh, go up against some of the best players in the world and compete and, you know, go take it to that. You know, uh, when uh, I believe his name's Jeremy Guthrie pitched in for Melbourne Aces, I believe, in the ABL, the year before he was pitching in the World Series. And I remember going and, and getting a hit off that. And, you know, Delman Young, you know, Manny Ramirez, another example. Um, you know, this game is special. This game is beautiful for that reason is that it is such an equaliser. And as soon as you think you've mastered it and, and that, you know, you're too good for the game, the game will bring you crashing down real quick. So... You know, I've always used it as a great equaliser in my life and, you know, it's something that's kind of steered it in the right direction for sure. And, Alex, I think that is a perfect way for us to wrap this up here tonight. To you, Alex, thank you very much for joining us and best of luck for this season. Fantastic, Glenn. Thanks for your time. And to Josh, thank you to, uh, for joining us on Blue Sox Band. Um, great to chat to you guys. All the very best for the upcoming season. Go well and uh, we'll see you at uh, Black Ten International Sports Park very soon. Cheers, mate. Can't wait for the next one. Well, there you have it. Josh Guyer and also Alex Howe. What uh, two great young guys, part of the leadership group of the Sydney Blue Sox. And as we said, can't wait to see them on the field at Blacktown International Sports Park. Of course, it gets underway with the opening round or opening season starting on December 18 up against the Melbourne Aces. Make sure you go online to Sydney Blue Sox to find out how you can become a member, how you can get your tickets and be part of it in season 2020. Don't forget to follow us on socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Sydney Blue Sox. That's about wraps it up for episode number four. I'm Glenn Hawke, and thanks for joining us on Blue Sox Banter. Blue Sox Banter is a Karis Communications production hosted by me, Glenn Hawke, for the Sydney Blue Sox.